to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And tonight, it's girls' night. There you go. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. 10 out of 10. Sure. That's what everybody's saying. What? <laughs> it sounds as if we practiced this in advance. We did not. We did not. <laughs> That's right, it's Girls' Night here on the podcast this week, and we are talking about Amy Holden Jones' Slumber Party Massacre and Carol Frank's Sorority House Massacre. Two similarly titled films and similarly themed films. They're, (laughs) They're pretty similar in more than just title alone. But before you grab your overnight bag, your munchies, or that pizza, John, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, last week we talked about the Sundance Film Festival wrap-up and, you know, like clockwork, here we are. South by Southwest has announced their full uh, lineup, including their Midnight Selection, which is pretty much where all the movies we want to watch live. That's our bread and butter. Right, Midnighters, horror movies. I'm sad to say that Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho will not be playing. Uh, that was the very first thing that I looked up. Do they do secret screenings? Maybe there might be a secret screening. I mean, it's not unheard of Maybe. for them to have like last-minute editions, mm-hmm. but given that that movie's coming out in October, I doubt that it's we're going to see it at South by Southwest. But uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't a whole ton of movies planned at this year's film festival, uh, which you can attend virtually, unlike any other year. I mean, I've been saying this about every film festival for the last year, but... <laughs> Unprecedented! If, yeah, right? If you, uh, you know, in these, in these troubling times... Oh, God. If you've always wanted to attend the South by Southwest Film Festival, but you've never been able to, now is your chance. Just looking at the the selections, if I could pick out two movies that I'm most looking forward to, uh, definitely Jacob's Wife, directed by Travis Stevens, who previously directed The Girl on the Third Floor. Gooey house movie. Right, that gooey house movie. (laughs) Uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know that it stars Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden, and I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, The other movie, another vague entry for me, is Off Season, directed by Mickey Key who you may remember from Psychopaths, Darling. Uh, actually, he hosted that TV show that was on Shudder for a little while, The Core? Is that what that was called? Mm. But yeah, I mean, like it's, it's film festival season. None of these movies really have anything other than one sentence and a photo. So I will, we will have more for you come mid-March. Well, John's been high on festival season. I've been working a little bit behind the scenes with the Fiend Club stuff. We have developed a brand new space that I'm so super pumped and excited about. We're calling it the Nightmare on Film Street Spooky Speakeasy. It's a private virtual lounge slash pub slash movie theater slash game room where we can all virtually hang out. There's video chat. There's audio. 
there's movies, games, there's all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to be doing the official launch for it at the Love Hurts Fiend Club movie night. We're going to add a little hangout side portion to the regular movie watch parties that we do over at the Fiend Club. If you are part of the Fiend Club, definitely come check it out. That is Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you want to join the Fiend Club, there is still time to hit us up at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub and get yourself on the VIP list for the spooky speakeasy. Yeah, we sort of beta tested it out with a few of the members of the Fiend Club last weekend. We had a whole lot of fun, despite some technical issues. But that's what they—that's what these tests are for. It was so funny. Know? John's computer froze halfway oh through, God. and there were multiple Johns. It was kind of terrifying. We had our own little version of host happening. It was great. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch movies in there. I think it's just going to be a fun space for us all to hang out and play games uh, as often as we can. And... Um, we're kind of just treating it like we would a real pub because oh man if you've never used if you've never used gather before it's great because your webcam and your microphone come in and out of focus based on proximity to other characters so yeah, it's you literally a, like walking up to somebody yeah you have a little avatar person that walks around the space and when you get closer you have actual conversations but when you walk away there are no people to hear you but as I said, Love Hurts Movie Night, Saturday, 8 p.m. We'll be hanging out in the spooky speakeasy at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Sports! Well, that is to say that the Super Bowl was last weekend. I think Tampa Bay won. <laughs> Somebody won. I uh, I showed up for the, the, the halftime show at the weekend uh, and the commercials afterward. Oh, man, you know, like... There were some movie trailers, and I'm going to get to one of them in particular in a second here, but I got to say, the best commercial that I saw throughout the entire Super Bowl was a commercial for taxes? Was it the Frankenstein one? It was the Frankenstein one, yeah, like Frankenstein's monster trying to figure out how to file taxes. Very first question, are you deceased? And then he goes, he's like combing through philosophy books trying to figure out whether or not he is alive or dead, and he still can't make it past that. But, you know, your local accountant is here to help, no (laughs) no matter what your needs or situation. Apparently there was a Edward Scissorhands-ish commercial, too, that we missed. Lots of lots of commercials. I guess those weren't happening during the halftime show, the only portion that we watched. <laughs> that is probably true. Yeah. But most importantly, M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, Old, debuted its a teaser trailer, I think. Um, it looks weird. All I can say is, like, that must have been a really expensive spot. Yeah. The whole time I watched the trailer. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you got so many eyes on it, right? Yeah, so vibes. First impression, it's kind of like a fantasy island-ish movie, right? Like, they think they're going on this, like, wonderful vacation, and then they get, I don't know if this is a spoiler, giving the title, old. They all get old. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it has that that thing that all trailers have, where, like, we're, we must be here for a reason. Love that line. That line. <laughs> That line always comes up, right? Yeah, it seems like they are all aging incredibly fast on this beach. I don't know if it's like a vacation destination where like, come for a free vacation at this secluded beach. Or if it just happens to be the people that go. Anyway, the point is they all get very old very fast and it's very scary. And I'm interested to see what the twist on that twist is. The twist on that twist. Right. You're right. Yeah. Because there's got to be a twist on that twist. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, I didn't love that trailer. What, what, you know, big deal. I'm still seeing that movie. I fucking love M. Night Shyamalan. We got to peel the layers off this old onion. We haven't even begun to scratch the old surface. Yeah. That's true. I, I definitely underestimated this movie. After that trailer, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this like, is enough Like, where do you go me. from here, right? Yeah. But hey, maybe all we're seeing is the first 20 minutes of that movie. 
Lastly, one little teeny bit of news that I find very exciting. Blumhouse just recently announced that Michael Grey Eyes has been cast as Rainbird in the upcoming Firestarter reboot that they're that they're working on. I don't know if anybody remembers Michael Michael Grey Eyes from True Detective, but like he was very he was in it for a very short period of time. But <laughs> he he killed the role. But I also we saw him recently in uh, a movie called Wild Indian at Sundance, which you know not necessarily like genre or horror enough for us to cover on the website. But damn, did that movie hit hard and is is a really good dark drama. If you're in the mood for one of those, I'd highly recommend checking it out. It goes to some some pretty dark places. Also, super nice to see that they've cast a uh, actual Native American in that role instead of another fucking George C. Scott. <laughs> yes, I was very... The aboriginal role is such a integral part to a lot of the Stephen King stories, and it's nice that, one, they're retaining that in the new adaptation, but also that they are actually casting an aboriginal person in the role, which is nice. And the movie's going to be directed by Keith Thomas, whose upcoming feature, The Vigil, will be out later this month. you got to check it out super dope we'll talk about it more soon we're gonna talk about it a lot very soon i promise but it's it's real real good like it's pinning it john pinning it okay i'm sorry i'm sorry it's girls night (laughs) (laughs) you're right i'm so sorry let's get into it let's pack our bags let's order our pizza yeah let's all change shirts in front of the window so the boys spying on us and listen to leonard skinner (laughs) and listen to leonard skinner Anyway, let's talk about Amy Holden Jones' Slumber Party Massacre. The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party to bare their souls. All the girls are coming, except Mary and Linda. And they won't be missed. The party begins at 8 o'clock. It's a slumber party for old time's sake. Love it too. Do you think I'm getting better? (laughs) But be on the lookout for an uninvited guest. Please send the police. When the pizza arrives, things really start jumping. Some people may have to leave early. But others will hang around. And hang around. You're underage. Negative. Let's go. You're not going to eat that dead guy's pizza. I feel better already. Really, I do. But for those who stay, there'll be plenty of surprises. (laughs) And non-stop action. Getting any sleep the night of the Slumber Party Massacre. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. Directed and co-produced by Amy Holden Jones from a screenplay by Rita Mae Brown. The Slumber Party Massacre is currently sitting at a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Hold on for this one. 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I really like these films. I, oh, I, man, yeah. And I, I don't think that's, like, an unpopular opinion or anything. Like, I'm pretty sure these films are pretty universally loved within the horror community. Oh, yeah. Like, when I Googled it, the other rating score that it gave was Shudder, which is a four out of five. Wow. Like, big surprise. The Shudder audience loves this movie. They're super fun films. And the, the first one is particularly interesting because of how dryly it's served, if that makes sense. If these were a pile of cocktails... 
Summer Party Massacre 1 is a very dry martini, but it's still a fucking martini. Okay, what's Slumber Party Massacre 2? I don't know, one of those cocktails that has, like, chicken fingers on a skewer and, like, a whole (laughs) mini burger on top. One of those, like, Caesars you get that has, like, an entire rotisserie chicken Exactly, like, this is a whole meal. (laughs) You're sweating before it's done, but you had a good time. Yeah, and I think that kind of comes down to there's this weird juxtaposition in this film. There's this tug and pull because the original script by Rita Mae Brown, she's, I, I, I don't think I'm being silly by saying she's a super duper feminist, and this film is kind of not quite as femme forward as was originally intended. It got picked up by Roger Corman and and he produced it and he definitely has uh, requirements for his horror movies. <laughs> he sure does. And so this film has this weird tug and pull of being female forward and then being a traditional like objectifying horror movie. And there's something so kind of wonderful about that. Oh, agreed. That the two things can exist simultaneously. By having women behind the camera making a movie that is intended for, like, driving audiences that are supposedly mostly male that want to see roughly five breasts before the third act, according to Roger Corman. (laughs) Two of them can be from the same woman, but that fifth one better be a third girl. Um, Having all of that sort of helps retain that parody nature where it, it is it is un, very understanding of the genre it's playing in. There's something so cool when you watch this film multiple times. I mean, we watch this twice in a week. So. Oh, no, I'm so happy we revisited this. We watched it during a New Year's Eve live stream, and, you know, you're you're talking with everybody throughout it, but you're yeah, not, Yeah, so like... we didn't really absorb the film. Like, I remember just shouting, like, Goose Light, like, <laughs> six <laughs> times. Like, oh, Goose Light. But, yeah, there's, there's something so meta about this movie. Yeah. It is very referential of the slasher as a trope, which is so fucking cool for 1983. And it seems very humorous whenever it shows nudity. There's some tongue-in-cheek with the nudity. Yeah, like it's almost like it lingers it, it lingers on it in a comedic way, where it's it's silly that we're doing any of it. It's exactly. silly that these girls like, are having these conversations. We're so gawky with the nudity. The nudity is very gawky. It's very head-on. But something about that is tongue-in-cheek. Like the very first instance of nudity is when we're meeting our lead. This is kind of a double lead movie, which is also very fun, which we'll talk about. Agreed. But Trish, who's this not-yet-a-girl, not-yet-a-woman, like you can <laughs> Literally here, if they if they remade this in the '90s, that Britney Spears song would be playing over the scene where she, she we see her naked for a very long time. She's changing into a dress and then literally gets a, a like a garbage bag and starts throwing away her teddy bears and her Barbie <laughs> right because the, the change has come. Like, I am I'm eighteen a woman now. now. Yeah, and she says that like it's it's a full out. Oh no, it's it's okay to stare at these breasts moment because I. I'm a woman. Yes. You were you were so amazed that she wasn't bringing all that stuff to like a donation center. I was so upset. I was like, <laughs> she's just throwing them in the garbage. I thought she was putting them in the basement. Oh, I'm going to hold on to this for safekeeping. She kept the one teddy bear that mattered to her. <laughs> and that yeah. weird doll. That Yeah. like she didn't, It's like she didn't even know that that creepy doll was there. Like throw out the weird doll. <laughs> I'm going to need this later just in case it changes to a haunted house story. 
But even the the locker room shower scene at the end of basketball practice is hysterical to me. When I watch it, I think it's hilarious. We the camera is so gratuitously placed and it's it's silly almost because we we're going through each of the different girls as they talk, but the camera is literally focused on their butts. Yeah, like are my breasts getting bigger? I think they're bigger. <laughs> there was a moment, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes into this movie where we were both having trouble. Like we've seen this movie before. We love this movie. Could not remember anybody's names and it's because we spent the majority of the first act looking at their butts <laughs> that's what i said i was like i can't tell who was talking because i can't see her butt right now <laughs> <laughs> oh what fun what fun but you just think about it though as a female director when you have a nudity requirement at least there's something still i don't know purposeful about it the the way that we watch the girls in the shower is there's intent especially because like the, the entire film is set up with that newspaper that we know that there's a crazed killer on the loose he's already killed that female mechanic or that female plumber yeah the the the, the telephone repair woman i don't know she's got like a service van <laughs> that's that kill the very first time we watch this movie and even now it's not Nice. It's really, it really gets me. And I think it's because it feels like true crime for like half a second where she's sort of like brushed off these stupid 17 year old boys who are flirting with her. She gets pulled into her panel van and is being murdered behind them. And it's kind of funny, but then it's also kind of desperate and helpless. There's a lot of kind of funny, but kind of no about this. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's this, there's this really fine line where it's traditional Friday night slasher, and then also has some real thought behind these moments. One of my absolute favorite moments is the first like teenage girl death. One of the girls returns back to the locker room because she forgot one of her books. Always forget something. And the driller killer is there and he's hunting her down. And it's a really long sequence, but there's one really great moment. And it's after he's cut her and she's hiding. And her blood is pooling so much that it's going under the door and it's giving her spot away. Yeah. And there's... Just something so terrifying about this wound giving her away. And and the fact that she silently grabs a towel and she's trying to mop it up, but it's already pooled under the door. It's this really creeping scare that you don't often get in a slasher film because people are so disposable in slasher films that they often die too fast for you to think of how somebody would react in a fight or flight moment. Because she's wounded, so she's injured. She can't really get up and run away. And she's kind of stuck in this spot. And... What do you call those sand timers, like slowly ticking down to her being found? Yeah, it's and it's real blood. Rough. It's her own blood. And like they, I think they do a really great job of not showing you her death because it's more. It's like everything that has led up to it makes it more effective. Like when we 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 cut out wide, it's almost funny to see him running away from the high school after he's killed her to his panel van. But it is very helpless. It is very interesting how much we see this killer because he's kind of a super dweeb. Super dweeb. And he's wearing like a Canadian tuxedo. Like he's all in denim. And we see his like shiny shoes a bunch. I don't know. He had an outfit stashed or he he killed somebody at the gas station that had quite the outfit. <laughs> oh, you don't like it? Because I was like, man, I should get some boots. Like, I, I, <laughs> like I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've been looking at a pair of Doc Martens for a while that I really want to get that aren't quite like cowboy boots. But I'm, I'm sure I could find a cheap pair of cowboy boots. Well, I did just call him a dweeb, so... <laughs> So you're saying I shouldn't model, <laughs> model my fashion sense after him. Okay. 
I do like that we see him as a dweeb, especially because he is he's got such a silly face. Like he's like like that's I mean, we're a podcast. I can't really show no, you a the picture crazy of it, eyes. But, yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly Absolutely. what it sounds like in my head. Just, <laughs> anytime he sees somebody, and at the end, you know, he has this big moment. He hasn't said a goddamn word throughout the whole movie, like a slasher. But he has like a quick moment with these girls where you know, like. I love you. It takes a lot of, it, it must take so much love to do something like this, right? And when he tells her she's going to enjoy it, I just, oh, oh, so, but, oh. But it, it, it also, for a quick second, it, it makes him less scary. I mean, unless you're like underneath him where, he, where he's holding that, you know, drill or a knife or whatever. But like, it's just like, oh, that's all this was. You're just a crazy lunatic. You know, it's like you weren't, a malevolent evil force like you were just some dude who operates the same way other dude serial killers operate mm-hmm. you have this twisted sense of i love them i must consume them and i must kill them i think it also kind of nails home the metaphor for anybody that doesn't get it that that most horror films always kind of alluded to these virginal women being chased around by these like killers with phallic objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's literally shots in this movie of where him the drill is his dick. Where the <laughs> drill is his dick. Yeah. And there's a shot of one of our victims through his legs with the drill. Yeah. And that final speech by him really nails home that this movie is about like virtue and virginity and coming of age and like that fear that that girls have and the expectation and all that stuff and it's it's so present in this slasher without without giving up what horror is agreed yeah cuz i th- i th- you know i'm sure it could just as easily be too overworked and they they you really drive that point home too much they do it the absolute right amount where it's still a fun horror movie to watch it still has something interesting to say and you know like i really can't wait until we talk about slumber party massacre 2 someday in the podcast because everything that we've been discussing in the last 45 seconds to a minute is is everything that is great about slumber party massacre 2 holy shit it's that on rock and roll yeah it is (laughs) with a tiny little burger on a stick for such a dweeby killer He's really efficient. Like, anybody that comes near the house, dead, gone, killed. He really makes a moat around these girls. An efficient-ass drill moat. Yeah, he's the alligator that's circling the moat, like, waiting for people to fall in. We're supposed to assume, Halloween style, that he sees Trish in the morning. And yeah. that's and that's kind of where this infatuation is created because he steals her Barbie doll or whatever. Yes. And then he returns to her house and she happens to, her parents happen to be gone and she happens to be having a slumber party. And these people happen to like keep showing up. He also happens to find a service woman that he can steal a drill from in order to use as a murder weapon. True. That's so true. Cause the drill is kind of a, a found weapon. Yeah. It's all, yeah. Super duper found. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he doesn't try and use more, more weapons. He's just like, I mean, I got a good thing going with this drill. Why fuck with it? That drill is so great. Not just not just because of how it works, because it's like that self-driving bit where it just like it just like burrows into whatever you point it at. But also, he fucking used it to slit a person's throat. Like, what can't that drill do? He slit a few bellies with it, too. I oh, think the yeah. belly slits were, were more cringeworthy to me than the throat slits. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because there's something about intestines and food organs and like that kind of stuff like spilling out that oh, sure. upsets me more than neck blood. Is I don't it know. because it's going to take like if you imagine yourself in that position it's going to take longer to die? Exactly. Like you get slit in the throat you're like oh thank god I only got to deal with this for another few seconds. Yeah you're but just like, like oh stomach, like, I feel oh. faint and then you're gone but like with like a belly it's like they might even get you to the friggin hospital like, and I, be like oh this could be my whole night. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, do you want us to close it or do you want to just? There is there is something and it terrifying. And would be smelly, like your bile's all out. Oh yeah, totally. It, there is something pretty awful about looking down and seeing like your stomach in your hands. Like I, I'll, oh, I'll give you that. See, I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> I don't like that. That's that's a spooky. <laughs> That there's a certified spooky. Yeah, no, he could have just as easily been a shopping network advertisement, an infomercial for like, oh, you gotta get this drill. It'll cut through teenage girls. It'll cut through doors. It'll cut pizza boys. The battery power on that drill. That's the, yeah. He I doesn't plug it in once. He never has to swap out batteries. Unless that's why he's in the garage. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's gonna just charge the in battery. In the dark, just like, hmm. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, like he really wanted to kill that. Uh, oh, I've completely lost her name. Names are hard in this movie. He completely, I'm just going to skirt by it, but like that couple that was hanging out. In... One of them, it's either Jackie or da- Diane. Okay. <laughs> it's Jack or Diane. Um, they're, they're, they're making out in the back of that dude's van. Uh, anyway, like <laughs> he could have killed them a lot sooner. But he had to wait for the battery to charge, I assume. I have a, I have a question for you. A yeah. garage Garage related question. I have a garage related question. Well, as for your you. bearded flannel, your your resident bearded flannel boy, I am the garage expert. <laughs> so when he is collecting bodies in the trunk, he Sesame Street, Count Dracula style <laughs> yeah. counts them. He sure does. Like one, two, three, a four. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> Yes, that's that's what he does. And then he's like, "Oh, because he's missing one." Yeah, I think that's just to let us know that somebody escaped. Okay, and that he knows. Do you? Oh, okay, I I was trying to see if maybe it was like for motivation, like he's he's broken out. Oh, like he's got to get to ten or yeah, something. Yeah, like, like the frighteners. Like almost, yeah, like he's trying to beat the like his record or something, like his spree record. That's or, real cool. There, I I don't know because I'm personally trying to think. This is something that is lacking, I think, from this movie in terms of the strength of the slasher villain, that this slasher is just face value. He's escaped from prison. He's crazy. He's mental. Uh, He's like your urban legend killer. Yeah. So what's motivating somebody who's broken out from prison to just kill again immediately? I just need some motivation for him. You you want a reason for it. Like he If he's crafty enough to break out of prison, then like he's gotta be crafty enough to have a fucking motive. Even if it's a deranged <laughs> motive, like I have to beat my record before they catch me again. Well what do serial killers do on vacation? They kill. Yeah. I mean <laughs> the fact that he was in their local paper means he broke out of the local jail. Like he didn't even change jurisdictions for this spree. He's not that smart. Mm. I, I I see what you're saying, yeah. And I think we might get a whisper of a motive there. And I, and you're right, it could just be him being like, where is the fifth one? I When you bring up the trunk thing, though, like my favorite counting bit of the movie is when the pizza guy shows up and they're like, hey, pizza guy. Oh, what's the damage? Oh, about six so far. And... <laughs> What's great about that for me is that I immediately started counting. Like, I don't know if that's right. Like, he killed the he killed the phone repair woman. He killed the girl in the school. He killed the neighbor, which we didn't even talk about. Dude out there 
hunting snails in the yeah, middle of the night? Yeah, how dare he? How boring is your suburban <laughs> life that, that that's what you do for kicks? You're like, at night, I I hunt snails with my meat cleaver. Yeah, he could have at least bribed some Maui Wowie from those girls. That it, Yeah, don't lie about it, bud. We know why you're <laughs> actually here. Uh, but we do actually see him hunting snails when no one's around, so that was... He, <laughs> he was actually, actually was hunting out there. snails. Yes. And then there's the two kids that were, that were making out in the car. So that's five, and then he opens the door, and boom, number six, the pizza, pizza guy. guy. Is number six. That's what I'm saying. Because oh. I, like, I, I had that, that moment where I was watching, like, I don't know, I think he's only killed five. Oh, dead pizza guy. His body is really good. Could you drill through the fucking eyes? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. I also love that they eventually do eat that pizza. Even yes. at the end, they use the dead kid, the dead pizza boy as a table. So good. You gotta so re- good. You gotta respect it. You just it's it's been cold. It's been in the hands of a dead man. It's still worth eating because there's no such thing as bad pizza. As long as he didn't bleed on it. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean he just like his his cold, pale, dead hand just like squeezed the top of the box onto the cheese, which, you know. Maybe you can call the shop and get a f- your next order free for that. Who knows? But gotta... inexplicably, though, just like you know, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers tend to do in the later sequels of the franchise. Yeah, he cleans up and moves every single body. He has more knowledge of how to get blood out of a carpet than a regular housewife. <laughs> but I, I think we're just supposed to assume there was no blood because he leaves the blood in the back door. That's I think true. he's just he's just fucking moving bodies like he's got nothing but time. And sometimes there's no real purpose behind it. No. <laughs> it's like, just in case. <laughs> I think probably the best setup. Ah, oh, fuck, I don't know. The Pizza Boy's pretty great. No. Okay. There's, there's no, a lot. No, 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 no. It's Space I... Baby in the Fridge, boy. Space Baby in the Fridge. Space Baby in the Fridge. That is the it's absolute best. Single greatest body reveal, I think, maybe in horror of all time. Yeah. Well, because they open the fridge door like two or three times. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh. I have nothing. I have nothing to say about it other than how fucking perfect it is. They could have done that gag like six times, and I would have been like, "Oh!" and slapped yeah. my knee every single time. The entire finale of the movie is just Valerie and her sister, and just the, trying to get a just, beer from the fridge. Yeah, maybe, maybe if I, maybe, maybe, maybe. We didn't even talk. We haven't talked about Valerie at all. Our second final girl, which is such a fun idea. Yeah, you know, uh, it's really interesting that she didn't go over to the house and join the girls. Because, like, it's standard horror movie. She would. She'd be like this. She, she'd either come over when the, she heard there was a problem, or there'd be some excuse for her to go over to, like, borrow sugar or something and and mingle into the group, get sort of shit on throughout the whole night, but then save the day and earn the friendship of the survivors. Like, that that's your normal arc. But she has a completely different story all her own across yeah. the street with her sister. And we keep cutting back to her, and her night, for lack of a better word, is boring. She has a boring ass night. Yeah, well, that's the, those girls' fault. Even Space Baby was like, "Should we invite? Should we invite?" I think her name was Kimberly. <laughs> Space Baby's a real cool moniker, and you don't you don't lose it if you got it. You know, she's like, "Hey, should we invite Valerie, the new girl?" And then they're all just like really catty about it. They don't like Valerie, um, so they don't let her come over. Valerie with the good hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like she only has a boring night because she's across the street and they didn't want her, which is real sad because the entire night her and her sister are doing nothing but wanting to join the party. But it, I think it achieves what the standard slasher sets up because we know in Trisha's slumber party, Trish is the final girl of the group. She's the more reserved. She's the more um, 
it's hard to it's hard to describe final girls because they tend to be final girls for a lack of ca- characteristics. Yeah, they're 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 virginal. They're they're shyer, more reserved, yeah. less flirty, not seen drinking, smoking, having sex. But Valerie achieves kind of that final girl status by being a good sister and being a good babysitter and being a good friend she sister. does her sister's hair for her. i know and well when her sister discovers her playgirl and she kind of like teases her about it but she lets her read it and like they have a really fun teasy back and forth that is actually like really nice to watch there they have a real genuine sisterhood yeah like you would look back in 20 years like oh that was actually a really nice friday night me and my sister got, yeah. we talked about sylvester stallone in that centerfold <laughs> But yeah, like they... uh... And it also sets up that really great scene where she's watching the slasher film and... Oh my God. One of the boys is getting murdered outside. What an... What... Oh, like just inspired. Like incredible. It's it's, it's almost like that... uh, It's no surprise that the director of this movie went on to direct Beethoven. (laughs) Beethoven, Beethoven's first? (laughs) I think so. I uh, you know the, the Beethoven movies were actually pretty big in my household. I think Stanley Tucci is one of the villains in Beethoven One or Beethoven Two. Also, surprise appearance from David Duchovny. <laughs> it's like the evil guy is gonna take the dog away. Your level of Beethoven knowledge is a little upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know any of the characters' names in this movie, <laughs> but but I remember the cameos in Beethoven and Beethoven Second. <sighs> oh my. That slasher in a slasher is so, so fucking good. And I had completely forgotten about it. Like, it was like I was seeing it for the first time this time around. And oh man, what a gift that was. That was so incredible because the boys have run across the street to try and get help, but he gets sort of sideswiped by the killer and she doesn't notice. And we're watching the events in, in, you know, Slumber Party Massacre play out in real time with the events that are mirrored in the slasher that she's watching on TV, which if I know Roger Corman is probably a Roger Corman movie that we can find and watch tonight. Man, it's real good. It's really, really fucking good. Rewinding a little bit, there's also something so great, too, about the two boys running out, because they each run out different sides of the house, and it's basically like, well, whoever makes it calls for help. Yeah. And it's really bleak, but it's there's also a really great moment before they go where the boys kind of admit to not wanting to do it. Yes. And that one of them says, like, well, this is what we do. This is what you do. Like This, this is what is, we gotta do. Yeah, and the, it's it's so cool to see the vulnerability of like the boys in this situation and be like do we do we have to be the, the boys in this moment like they would rather just stay hiding like, can, with yeah, the can, girls can we also put our backs against your backs with knives and and maybe get bored and eat pizza too you know yeah i i just loved the like the hint of vulnerability before it's like oh no we gotta run off and do this and neither of them are like we gotta do this man let's tough up you know yeah, and we'll, we'll neither- fucking mess this guy up no one says that. and even when sneaking around outside apart from have like sneaking a beer and and looking at some boobies through the window like they're not <laughs> alpha males no they try doing they try pulling pranks right you know none of the guys in this movie are tougher than the girls because what's her face's boyfriend jackie or diane she, like he sneaks up behind her and she fucking self-defenses him onto the ground there's so much like girls kicking ass in this movie even the finale is just like and you get stabbed by trish and you get beaten up by the basketball coach and then valerie comes out of here with a machete from the basement like yeah. this is just like the basketball game is on yeah you're not gonna step onto my court what are you doing well, and there's such a great visual, too, when they've chased the killer out to the pool and they literally cut 
his drill in half and like yeah like (laughs) Like he's been a (laughs) (laughs) my dick (laughs) suddenly i'm no longer interested in killing these girls (laughs) i'm sleepy (laughs) (laughs) yeah they fucking dunk on him it's great Oh man, it's oh such a good ending. Like too. if they just put sports on in that moment, like <laughs> oh yeah, just like some sports in the background. <laughs> oh, like just the way that they have like the woman screaming over top of that kid being killed on Valerie's lawn. That would have been great. That would have been a little weird. I think that would have tipped it into like an odd place for people. But I would have fucking loved it. Crowd cheering, whistles being blown, Gatorade being dunked. That would have been awesome. It's I'm 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 seeing in your eyes that it's also a little too weird for you. <laughs> another really interesting just sort of like sort of like wrapping up some things that 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 come up in the end of the movie there's there's a moment that's super interesting because it does not paint trish one of our final girls in a very good light there's a moment where trish and and the rest of the girls that are left alive are are in her room they've barricaded themselves in there and they can hear valerie in the house looking for them she doesn't know there's a killer yet but she like something's weird right Mm -hmm. and you know, some of the girls want to warn her to let her know to get out of the fucking house, but Trish isn't entirely convinced that she's not a partner with this killer. Like, she doesn't know. So she kind of just, like, condemns her to death. Well, you have to understand, though, that, like, I, I get the self-preservation in that moment is a little weird, but when they open the door and one of the girls gets murdered in the in the stairwell, they've opened the door because Valerie was knocking, Nobody answered the door, so Valerie left, but the killer was waiting in the shadows, and then when they opened the door, the killer stabbed her. So they heard Valerie. Oh, that was the that at was the, the next door. Slit. Yeah. yeah. And so Kim and Trish ran upstairs, and then we hear Valerie again. Right. I had completely forgotten about that. I just I in my mind it was like I I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was a great wrinkle. Because at one point you've seen a bunch of people die in front of you. At, at some point you just don't open the door unless you're absolutely sure it's police. Well, I mean, and they did have kind of interesting logic there. They're like, well, if she's here, she's brought help. Yeah. And so like the police can come get us, which is you know what at that point when all my friends are dead and like the boys haven't come back and there's somebody the neighbor girl is in your house and you've tried making phone calls and the phone line is dead like I wouldn't move unless somebody slid a badge under the door like you know what I mean I I would be at the point where I'm like "Mm." but but (laughs) space baby Kimberly she she puts it a real good point like if if she's not and she didn't bring help then she's just out there with the killer waiting for him Unless, of course, she's in in on it with the killer, which, you know, is unfortunately a risk, I guess, they, they had to take. But, I mean, like, you're at a point where, like, you are making this, like, real self-preservation decisions, yeah. right? Like, you just don't risk it. Because yeah. you've already made a bunch of risks, and you've seen your friends die for them. Well, yeah, they tried to open the door for pizza, and they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Even pizza isn't safe. <laughs> this is not what I ordered tonight. <laughs> there is a real weird segment in the second half of the film where... Valerie and the killer are doing this weird do-si-do where they keep missing each other. And you're just wondering, like, where is he hiding out? What's he doing? Yeah. He seems like he's much craftier than we give him credit for. And I think that's that's maybe also just because he's smart enough to know to hide the bodies. He's, char- he's charging the drill in the garage. That's, so that's all it is. It's, <laughs> it's just real convenient, right? He's just like, ah, fuck, I need another battery. Ah, lithium ion, when's it coming? There's such an interesting part, too, when he moves the pizza man's body and oh he yeah sets before himself, the coach shows up yes he sets himself up to be the pizza man to pretend to be the corpse and this 
it's it's foiled because Courtney, the little sister, is hiding under the couch and definitely sees him. Yeah. And the coach comes to investigate because she's gotten weird phone calls. But if if neither of those two freak things had happened, Trish would definitely have died there. Absolutely. He would have gotten Trish. They're lucky they didn't die when he snuck up behind them in her bedroom. Oh, which man. I assume that window led to the roof. Like that he got was onto so the roof. creepy. That was real fucking good. It was legitimately terrifying i love this movie this movie is so so fucking good and you know you know it's it's got its grindhouse qualities it's you know it's got a lot of grain on the film which is nice don't knock a grain i fucking love it it's real good (laughs) it's got some hard cuts you know but uh if if anything the one thing that like is 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 a problem for me with this movie is the sound capture it fucking peaks so hard so often it's so crazy it's like our podcast doesn't peak this much The score for me is oh su- the repetitiveness of it. It's super cheese balls, but honestly, it reminds me so hard of you know the Clue VHS game. Yeah, that I make you play all the time. Of course, I know that. <laughs> so I grew up with this VHS game of Clue, and it's it's got a bunch of actors who act out scenes being like Mrs. White and and Miss Scarlet and Mr. Green and la la la. And, and there's this like dun 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 score and it's it's so midi cheap 80s i love it so much and yeah. this movie reminds me of it so hard yeah there's there are a few moments where the score comes in real quick where it feels a little too comedic like specifically when he's killing the uh, the repair woman uh, it's funny how often i keep coming back to the scene like it obviously like sits in my head but there's like a comedic beat where there's no music and she's screaming for help and then we cut inside the van and it's like dun, 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 dun. whatever the music is for for the movie i can't can't recite it. Um, yeah. It's sort of like organy. Like it's a little too like Catholic church organy <laughs> for this movie, but it's great. It, it's funny you bring up that scene a lot though, because so most of this film, I kind of give it this like, oh, it's it's got this very uh, Halloween 1978, you know, Laurie sure, Strode yeah. with the Michael Myers versus this like, we're going to make the killer Leatherface-esque with the silhouette of the drill. Oh, sure. So, like, I say very much that this is, like, a Halloween meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's really funny because the kill with the service woman in her van reminds me so much of Scream 2, which may have been a reference for Wes Craven with, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Scream 2, when when Randy dies in the van. Yeah. Panel van deaths are just great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all they all hurt every single one of them. Like it really it really punched me in the gut when we watched Slumber Party Massacre, and it twisted a knife in my fucking heart when I saw Randy go down like that. <laughs> you deserve better, Randy, and you deserve better too, Repair Woman. I mean, I think retrospectively, if they knew that they were going to be making like five of these movies, Randy was the character to keep because he's like the um, the the archivist or the arc the archivist. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that even a word? He's the historian of the group. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I think his appearance, not that you, why are we talking about Scream? Like, I think his, (laughs) I think his appearance in Scream 3 is like a videotape from Beyond the Grave is great. It's good. I think having like a new generation of kids that are film fans take his place is also a smart choice. That's also good. But I'm really going to mess up in Scream 5. I know it. Maybe he'll have another tape. (laughs) (laughs) Hologram. He's at Coachella. (laughs) So, Kim, what's your rating of Slumber Party Massacre? Um, I'm going to give it a three out of four. I'm giving Slumber Party Massacre a three. See, it's hard. 0.75 out of four. <gasps> wow. I love this fucking movie. And I think the only, the, the only thing that stops me from, like, giving it a four out of four is, like, there are some very... <laughs> 
there are some very obvious quality problems with it. So you know what I had to do, though? I had to quickly write part two in my head to oh, know yeah, how to rate no. part one. I, I agree. I, th- I think before wa- sitting down to watch this, I had assumed three out of four um, because I, I do like Slumber Party Massacre 2 more, but... Hey, you got to save that for the part two episode, John. Nope, sorry. Okay, well, <laughs> spoiler for whenever that episode's coming. <laughs> Maybe next February. But yeah, no, I really, really genuinely liked Slumber Party Massacre. Like, I was seeing it for the first time when we sat down to watch it, like, critically. Like, previ- the, the other thing might just be also that previously watching this is usually, like, Friday nights full of beer yes. and pizza. Yeah. I saw the ending fully sober for the first time in a long time. Like, I don't have, like, a buzz going on. Um... <laughs> And I think it's a great movie. Like, I think it's incredible. Like, it's really well put together. I'm just surprised at how meta it actually is and how self-referential it is. Yeah. And how it it pokes at the genre while still existing amongst it. Like, it successfully did what Scream did and what Scream is so marveled for at being like, okay, this is actually a really successful and good slasher film, but it also analyzes the genre. And... So few films have credit for that. Like when you talk about meta horror films, like people are like Cabin in the Woods and Scream. And there, as you discover, as you start to go back in, in the horror catalog, like horror has always been self-referential. Absolutely. And it's it's really impressive and surprising when you can do it without a character like Randy who has to talk to the audience about horror movies and what they do. Yeah. It's like this is very clearly made by people who who like horror movies or at least have an understanding of it and are saying something about them while also giving you a solid horror movie. Or by people who may not like horror movies but that that it can be finessed by people who love horror movies into into making it like a weird sideways celebration yeah like it's very clearly not at all what it was intended to be when it was originally written which is true about pretty much every fucking movie out there that has has been made but i think they still managed to achieve like some of the broader strokes of what they were trying to accomplish by making it a a parody film that was analyzing the genre Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Moving on, we're going to talk about a movie that, quick double take, not the same title, but very close, Sorority House Massacre. Sorority House Massacre. After a weekend with us, you're going to want to join this sorority. Maybe we are the haunted sorority house after all. Oh, God. It's him. That's him. That's the guy from my dream. What's the plan here, buddy? You got a good reason to be here? Slash course in absolute terror. Written and directed by Carol Frank, Sorority House Massacre from 1986 is currently sitting at a 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and is too cool for Rotten Tomatoes from what I understand. <laughs> so unlike Slumber Party Massacre, Sorority House Massacre was a first time watch for us. Yeah, which is crazy because watching it, I was like, this is like the other movie. This is like the other movie. Well, it's also a Roger Corman movie, right? Very true. Yeah, it's just a, it's it's a carbon copy. Like, hey, that one did real well. Let's throw another one in the fucking theater. <laughs> well, and this very, very much follows the now established slasher pattern to AT. Oh, yeah. It's so much like the original Halloween that it's it's crazy. I was going to say it's the prom night of slumber party massacre type movies. Yeah, in my head, I was saying it was like a perfect combination of if you actually really wanted to do slumber party massacre again, but you needed it to be a little bit more Halloween. Oh, yeah. You got to add that that brother sister connection. It's like <laughs> mid franchise Halloween though. Like the the leaps oh, yeah. that it takes. Oh yeah. man. We don't like we're still in the opening credits when we're getting vision sequences and they they don't go away. We get vision sequences throughout the whole goddamn movie. I you know, I I have to say, I have to fully admit here, I'm not a huge psychic character fan. Yeah, it's it's hard. Not really my bag. Unless it's like straight up this is a psychic movie like Carrie or Friday the 13th New Blood, you no. know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't you sneak Tina into this. <laughs> but I got to admit, as kind of tedious as the visions became, 
the scares were actually pretty good because oh yeah setting up beth the main character as having this psychic connection with the killer bobby and the massacre that transpired at the sorority house 12 13 years ago 12/13 years ago <laughs> it allows for you to do these really elevated really visual confronting scares without jostling the plot too fast like you don't have to start stabbing teens 5 minutes in although i would like that oh yeah um right away while you're still building to your plot because she's having these terrifying visions of this killer before he's even broken out of the mental hospital he's in because that connection so we see him doing these really fun fucking stab maneuvers oh yeah right away and i was very on board with those oh yeah we were like jaw on the floor holy shit this is amazing what's going on with this movie uh reacting to it what am i trying to say here we enjoyed it quite a lot and it was <laughs> Super surprising because she is seeing Bobby the killer just sort of appear in the house, uh, specifically in a fucking mirror. Just like, oh, there's a weird guy in the room. Oh, he only lives inside the mirror. He, oh, what? He can stab through the mirror? Yeah, and some of the editing was really great in those scenes. In cutting back and forth between the two, there was some really great continuity between Dreamland and Realland. My favorite moment was when they're doing the brainwaves test on Bobby. Oh, sure. And they're, they're ch- I don't know, they're doing some science on Bobby. <laughs> and meanwhile, Beth is having one, another one of her visions in the sorority house. And Vision Bobby turns his head. So real Bobby turns his head. And they line up the shots so well. It's real good. It's so good. It's, and this is also after we see him killing his parents with a pickaxe. I wish there was more of that. We, we don't even really see it. We just see dead bodies with a pickaxe buried in its chest. It looked so great. That's also a really great vision, too, in that same room. I think it's the same room or the dining yeah, yeah, room, totally, whatever. Totally. Yeah. When she's walking in and all of the girls are creepy dolls set up for dinner. Yeah. Man, there's some real great stuff in this movie. Like, really, and another similar vision to the knife coming through the mirror, when she's in class. Yes! And we see bloody Bobby outside before the knife comes up through bloody the- Bloody Bobby! Yeah, that's actually not that bad. <laughs> like, he should be, like, a bo- Yes! <laughs> <laughs> when the knife comes up into her desk as she's sitting in it and blood starts coming out of it, looked rad. It's great, too. All of the class stuff, they have the teachers really on the nose in the background describing some really great stuff. John pointed Every out- Every single one. Yeah, John pointed out one that was so good that we had to go back and watch it like four times. <laughs> Honestly, this is true about every single horror movie. I mean, probably a drama too, That, ha- but we don't watch them. We only watch horror movies. <laughs> I think. You know, like I, I think other movies do this. I have no idea. Uh, anytime we're in a classroom, if you just pay attention to the teacher, they're pretty much explaining the movie. Like even in Hereditary, he's like, well, you see, it's real tragic for this Greek character because he didn't know his family. It's like, yeah, that's the lead actor in Hereditary. <laughs> like, oh boy, it's yeah, it's it's so good. One of them is just like, oh, through through repetition and vision sequences, we establish that our that our character is clairvoyant. You're like, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> like, I'm I'm seeing it right now. I don't even remember what the previous. Oh no, the previous it, scene was a gag. It was the they're watching a a film about death. Death, it comes for us all. <laughs> None of us can avoid it, but we're too wrapped up in matters of the self. 
Of course, the the girl we're following who's in that class is not paying attention to the film reel and is busy reading Self Magazine. It's pretty great. Oh, Carol, Frank, you're the best. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of on the nose, we, we always attribute, and even earlier in this episode, we're talking about how Slumber Party Massacre plays on the common belief or understanding that slasher films and the traditional stabby killer versus young virginal teenage girl is a metaphor for sex. Literally, they say that in this movie. Oh, yeah. They're trying to go over dream metaphors because Beth's been having these nighttime visions. There is always somebody in your college group of friends that knows what your dream means. But that's 100% what teenage people are like, like especially early college age. Like, excuse me, I'm studying this. It's my major. Yeah, but also it's just like, you know. Like, so you you mean you don't know about it yet? (laughs) (laughs) But another girl in the same room was just like, oh, you were probably killed in a past life. But everybody, including the psychology major, was like, nah, I don't believe in that shit. (laughs) I don't believe that. No, regression therapy, totally real. Yeah. Past life regression. The hypnosis is fine and A-OK, totally legit. It, but as soon as we start talking like medieval times, you were a maiden. No, it's too far. <laughs> so this movie was a little ruined for me because I thought Bobby the killer was really familiar. And I wanted to figure out who he was and what I knew him from. And I, I assumed the fastest way for me, rather than like trying to like root through Letterboxd because I didn't know anybody's name yet, like I'll go to Wikipedia, I'll I'll look at the plot, it'll tell me the character's name, and then I'll go from IMDb or Letterboxd and whatever. P.S. He's he has not been in anything else. <laughs> but opening <laughs> Which paragraph. is crazy because he's the lead well, he's lead the, villain. I was gonna say lead killer. Like yeah. there's multiple. <laughs> like it's a chorus of killers coming in. <laughs> Yeah, he's got that number one spot. (laughs) But uh, opening paragraph of the Wikipedia entries, Beth's brother Bobby kills their entire family in front of her when she's a child, but she forgets all about it. Oh, no. I was like, oh, that's... So it's her brother. Okay. Like, so what? I knew that like very early, but I, I did not reveal it to you. I definitely kind of got that immediately though. When she, I think it was the second vision or no. So she walks up to the house. There's this really great long walk sequence. And I how, like that. I and how it. they shot it was Looked really great. great. Yeah. So they do the same walk up sequence in her dreams. And there's these three, like one, two, three, Freddy's coming for you girls. Totally. Hanging out on the front lawn. Are you going in there? Inside that house? Be careful. (laughs) I I think that was word for word. That was great. I was like, oh, shit, those are her sister. And especially, too, when Linda asks her, like, oh, what happened to your arm? And she's like, I can't remember. I got it so long ago. Like, maybe that time you survived a massacre, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Because the options, like, in any movie where a character is clairvoyant about something, one, either it's a past memory that they've repressed or forgotten about, or they're just picking up on the vibes in the room, just like... You know, either one would have been okay. Like, okay, fine, you survived the massacre here. But also just being a clairvoyant character and going to a sorority house where a massacre has taken place, like, and being haunted by it... I like that. still pretty great. That's... That's what I was really hoping it was gonna be because I'm some way into that Amityville horror fun stuff. I actually also thought that the girls that were, you know, obviously ghosts weren't killed as girls. I thought maybe they were killed as sorority oh. girls, like in their early twenties, but they were appearing to her as like as children, which is it's a choice, but. <laughs> <laughs> but- but I was like, that's oh, a that's... great way to give your multifaceted opinion. Like, that's cool, but also that's a weird way to live. <laughs> Maybe that's problematic choice. <laughs> Mr. Corman. <laughs> Not that he had anything to do with that, I bet. But speaking of the sorority house. Sure. I think we need to, I don't have anything to comment other than that I liked it, but the fashion montage. 
It was pretty great. Yeah, every it, which is funny because the fashion montage is also just the excuse to get them like at least halfway naked. <laughs> well, yeah, that was very true. Very true. There was not many bras in this sorority. <laughs> it was rad though. There were so many shoulder pads in and, that like, closet. And like they were dancing and the, and the music was queued up to like the, the the clothing stacking up like. Oh, it was good. It reminded me of the fashion montage in that three part special of Married with Children when they're in Italy and they're changing the outfits. Oh, sure. <laughs> See, the the problem with me is is oh no, you know what? I'm blending that with European vacation because they both have a oh an we're Italian on vacation yeah. montage, and there's a lot of shoulder pads in both. I won't lie, when you said married with children, my brain only saw European vacation, but I was like, let's roll with it. Like I've seen both of them. I know what's going on. I but- think it's Scotland. Scotland for the. They need to be killed before sundown on, that on this small, one side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so weird. Because the Bundys are cursed. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that was obviously Sweeps Week. They paid to go to Britain to film on location for that stuff. So good. Yeah. But yeah, who doesn't love a good montage sequence? Especially- Clearly, we've been talking about other montages. <laughs> other <laughs> montages! <laughs> yeah, just like, here's a list of my favorites. Also, Clone High. Makeover, 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 makeover. Makeover, makeover, makeover. Yeah, we're big fans of makeovers and uh, and montages, which uh, was pretty much every teen movie from the 90s. So I think that's exactly where you our need, taste. You need a fashion montage. Into it. Also, especially great that they wore the stolen clothing that, that I, Claudia, I guess, like that they, they raided her closet because she's obviously the rich one, the cool one, who never shares any of her clothing. And then well, they she have, was such a bitch when she was going into she a boyfriend's car. She was a huge car, bitch. And you're like, everyone's leaving. I don't understand this weird plot of why she's here or why nobody else is, but fine. You don't have to be a big bitch, though. <laughs> no, you. if you're that kind of a bitch, you're only asking for people to wear your clothing while you're gone. And then staining it with ice cream. Hiding shade in those shoulders. <laughs> you know, I, the one thing I had such a hard time figuring out is Beth's role in all of this. Because when she first showed up, it was like, oh, after a weekend with us, you're totally going to want to pledge to this sorority. Yeah, I was like, why is she here? <laughs> I thought she was in high school at the time and was scouting out sororities for when she graduated oh, and moved up. But then she went to class. Then she went to class! With the rest of them. I, th- that, I was like, I don't fucking know what's going on anymore because I do have friends, or in I had friends in high school who did that. Like, they went to go visit dorms or sororities or whatever for, like, literal weekends and hung out with groups of people and essentially just partied with college kids to figure out where they wanted to send their parents' money. Yeah, I... I don't understand, too, because... The house empties out? They're like, hey, come over for the weekend. 90% of us are leaving. Nobody's here. I, I, I could not get a handle on what was happening. And the way she was talking, she's been living with her aunt. Somebody said that at Which some is point. all fine and dandy, but... Her... It's a real sleepaway camp what situation. I'm, what I'm saying, though, is she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go check out this sorority beta kappa murder <laughs> and the aunt wasn't like wait what's the address of that sorority <laughs> yeah, that's so true also <laughs> why didn't she stop they should have moved further away she should have never gone well who cares if the college is close to the house that your entire family was murdered in but like you, you kind of think maybe you'd get her the fuck out of there <laughs> because at the very least somebody might recognize her somebody might know her real name because like it's not like she changed her last name she just goes by her middle name yeah and she didn't even know why no that's just bad aunt parenting (laughs) unless her aunt had just died and she was going to stay at the sorority as like an adoption thing (laughs) well (laughs) you've defaulted on your new guardians the murder house So like the like like I said like ninety percent of the sorority leaves, including the sorority house mom, who's going with the rest of the group to spring 
break, but only for a weekend kind of thing. Like, yeah. everybody's going to the lake is what I got. That's all I know. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, summer clothes and inflatables. Yeah, even <laughs> a boyfriend for one of the girls who didn't go shows up to, like, make out for a few minutes. He goes, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go jet ski and I'll see you later. I'm joining everybody else. <laughs> Y'all just sit here and set up for a party that they're having on Monday, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I would not do that. But I guess they enjoy decorating for parties. I know. That's kind of why you join sororities, because of... Themed parties? Oh, yeah. That's where the money goes? That's where it's at. Themed parties and charity events. I mean, okay. that's fun. It sounds fun. I, I like, like I like attending I, I both of those I want to join a sorority now. <laughs> I love themed parties. <laughs> and murder, of course. Of course. That's the complimentary... Complimentary? That's a <laughs> weird way to describe murder, but yes. <laughs> you like... With your with your pledge comes the the opportunity to die and or maybe not die. No one is taking this murderer's escape very seriously. Not really. Like one cop shows up very quickly and like good for him. He's great. He's writing stuff down, but it's, he just hangs out. Especially the doctor who is definitely like the the onset hairdresser that they just threw glasses on and they were like, "You look like science. Get out there." Yeah, you know, like, do I have to do any doctoring? Like, nah, you're mostly just gonna sit by a phone at some point and then tell people about the file they're currently thumbing through, <laughs> and at some point have an epiphany. Yeah, she find so this is our doctor Loomis. She finds out Michael's missing and just stays at home reading magazines. <laughs> Yeah. Even the main cop, the main cop that finds out there's no urgency. Like, Michael Myers is out, guys. Billy from Black Christmas is out. Yeah, totally. And he's headed right back to go finish the job, which is kind of interesting. Like, I like the idea that it's he's psychically connected to the, to the one that got away, you know? <laughs> like, the, the, the sister he wasn't able to murder. She needed to press the on button, as in walking inside the house. Because I don't think she had any psychic abilities before she got to the house. I think it was like a... <laughs> it's location-based. Yeah. Proximity-based. Uh... Yeah, it's like Bluetooth. Like, she was out, okay. of, she was out of range previously. <laughs> yeah, but, like, once she finally got there, like, the, the finally the paired connection was made. You know? <laughs> Bluetooth mode. But yeah, so he's psychically connected to her, and it's just like, oh boy, all like this docile, catatonic, locked away for years dude is now suddenly enraged, and he's got to escape. It's like he couldn't possibly have killed her anywhere else. It has to be done in the house. Like we're really pulling from like Amityville on that idea that it's like the house that maybe made him do it. Do we think it was the house? No, but like, like the, the, it's not like the movie has any explanation for it. It's just like, oh, man kills. Crazy. There's no explaining crazy, so we better not try and explain it ourselves. The casting, though, on Bobby is pretty good because he's got this really perfect man-boy-child face. Sure. And when they do flashbacks- He looks younger. And visions and stuff, he does look younger. But then when you think about it, like- he was her brother, and all these girls are really young, so like he probably murdered them when he was like 12. Yeah, that's a good point. He couldn't have been 20, because otherwise the age gap between them was insane. Like yeah. they, they had one older boy, waited 15 years, and had three girls. Four girls. That's a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. That's just a lot of kids in general. I mean, they had enough kids to to live in a house that is now converted to a sorority. That is also true. Yeah, that's a lot of bedrooms right there. I want to come back to this party that I was talking about them setting up, because it's like one of the only, like, 
attempts at a jump scare in the movie where we see that Bobby has escaped and he's stolen a very wood paneled uh, <laughs> family station wagon. Like with like it's like it's already wood paneled and they like the prop department slapped more wood on it's it. It's very thick. Does yeah. not look very aerodynamic. It at also all. doesn't look like it's staying on very well. Like it's it, it, there are scenes where like he gets to the house and it looks like it's falling off. Like I really <laughs> I really think they added it on for the movie. But uh, you know, we we all oh, POV from the hood of the car. He's he's traveling around town. He's making his way to the sorority house, and then we're also like Michael Myers can drive. Can drive. drive. That's true. Although definitely inexplicably has probably been in mental homes since he was twelve. It seems like he's been in bed since he was twelve. Can drive. <laughs> um, so like we got a POV shot. Somebody's walking up behind the girls. Oh my god, are they gonna get killed in the backyard right now? We're only halfway through the movie, and oh surprise, it's, it's the, the boyfriends. boyfriends. <laughs> and they're here to make the girls jump. That's about makeover, it. Makeover, makeover. <laughs> so yeah, four boys showed up for four girls. The three of the three of them pair off and start making out, and then Beth is just standing there awkwardly with this like forty year old dude in a nineteen year old's body who's got a five o'clock shadow from yesterday. That is just like, hey, my name's Tim. How are you? I got ghost <laughs> stories. I'm gonna tell about this house. <laughs> Anyway, the the, the, thing, the the point is, they're setting up a teepee in the backyard for some stupid themed party that they're having, and the teepee is barely big enough for one person to stand in. They, they, they rented a teepee for a party, and then they make, like, these this couple makes out inside of it. And then later on in the movie, he's like, hey, what if, uh... What if we spent the night in the teepee? You're like, you can't lay down in it. What is the point? You may only crouch in the teepee. <laughs> you can barely crouch in the teepee. You're lucky if you can hug without your elbows touching the sides of it. But hey, they sure as shit try and have sex in it. <laughs> and that's that's and then they get murdered in it. They lit that very well though. It looked great. You they they lit it so you could see them making out on the inside of that, but then when you were in the inside, you could see the knife being held up on the Classic. Like, it was great. Really, really. <laughs> into it also you like he's hella naked when he's running away <laughs> which i loved <laughs> which i love and presumably i suppose naked the rest of the movie right no i think when they when they are calling via the second line that gets cut while they're dialing oh somebody puts he, boxers on he them throws or something. something on yeah but then he dies in the doorway r.i.p r.i.p mystery boyfriend <laughs> i'm sure he had a name the boys are very quickly disposed of we do not care about the boy deaths. They don't have a good scream. There's no sense in keeping them around. That's true. There I was mean, one good boy death with like Italian Timmy. Like I don't know his name. Italian <laughs> Timmy. And this is this is very silly. It's just like I think they just used like really good film stock and they shot it at like high speed and like the knife coming out of his back after he stabbed him on the couch with with no fanfare almost. Like, it was it looked great. It was so fast too, which yeah. is which is always super jarring when there is no fanfare and you're like, ooh, I feel dirty. Yeah, because like this dude didn't even wake up. Like nothing. And he didn't even scream or anything. No, just like having a snooze and then dead. Okay, so we've been paying a lot of attention to the really fun shots and the, the cinematography and this and the great visual setups. Oh, of the this things film. we liked about it. But I the, see no reason to talk about anything else. But the one thing I want to bring up that I think we would get some feedback if we didn't mention the audio mastering. Oh my! <laughs> from like the peripheral sounds in this movie, the foley art in this. You can't. Or, I, I don't you even can't know. call it foley I art. Think it, yeah, it's just good cat. Like they, I think it was just native sound recording. Probably. 
There's like this... Or they had the boom mic on the floor. That's the only explanation oh, they if have. You, if you've ever wanted to hear what it sounds like to hear like four girls in heels coming down creaky stairs while talking over top of all that nonsense, this is the movie for oh, you. Oh, there's so much walking and talking on cement in this movie. You can't hear anything over the clip clopping. Yeah, even when it, in like a super wide shot. It's just like, I don't know how they got this. Like, because it's very like it, the microphones are at the floor. I can hear it all. Oh, and there's there's one shot. It's really early on. Beth is using the washroom after first night there and there's six girls talking there's the audio of like people schluffing around the bathroom there's a dog barking outside yeah. you're just like what is this there's so much chaos <laughs> going on there's just so much sound in this movie it's kind of wonderful though it really grew on me i'm into it yeah well i mean like it's you you love the sound of bad footsteps and i think that's why oh you it's see- my favorite i it's- think it's the only reason i can watch italian horror movies with oh. you like if it weren't for that you'd just be out completely no fat footsteps are what keep me keep me in bo- on board <laughs> yeah it's like no no matter what shoes they're wearing high heels on gravel and any scene clop clop yeah. clop 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 carpet stop clopping yeah, like uh, like uh, parking garage, gravel, wooden floor. It's all the same sound. Oh, such such heavy footing in a <laughs> in early Foley. Man, yeah, that's that that is something they get used well, to. Well, because you movie. picture like I just picture like some dude with a cigar hanging out of his mouth with like big hairy knuckles like jammed into like stiletto heels <laughs> on like like this wood setup <laughs> set up on the desk, just like clomp 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 clomp. That lo- that, that looks good. <laughs> Yeah, jamming knives into melons. Yeah, and clomp, clomp, clomp. <laughs> cracking fucking lettuce in half for bones. Oh, man, we listened to this really great scary story vinyl we got. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, last year when we were, you know, able to travel. Got it in Nashville at The Great Escape. And thanks, John. Good memory. Um, and it the sound mastering it was so amazing. There was this one story with Igor, and he was talking to you like right up close. And then he went to go get something, and you heard him walk away, and you heard a door opening far away, and like the creak of it. And we were listening to it in like the complete darkness before bed, and like I could see it. It was just oh, yeah. so well done. Have you ever? He listened- moved around the room. Have you ever listened to the the? It's it's called three D sound, is what the people call it now. Um, but like, have you heard the virtual haircut? Like, no. That's a really popular one. Oh, cool. So you put over the ear headphones on like you have on right now, and then you close your eyes, and it's like you're getting a haircut, and the guy's like talking in your ear, having a little snip over here. Like, I highly recommend checking it out. That's kind of scary, though. That might give me the willy. The microphones that they use for that now uh, are actually shaped like human heads. Oh, hang on. Idea. Uh-huh. What if somebody did, like, a Sweeney Todd short story like that? Oh, that's Like, you're fun. going in for a fucking shame. And you get your fucking throat cut at the yeah! end. And you go slide down to yeah! the basement. And then you're even in the oven getting turned into pies. Pies! <laughs> pies! <laughs> uh, I mean, then Pussycats is quick, you know. Oh, boy. That would be so cool. I, I would be that. too wussy to listen to it, but... Yeah, you won't even do like VR stuff. I'm writing stuff. it. Yeah, <laughs> adapting it. Like it's like copy and paste almost. <laughs> Sweeney Schmod, <laughs> demon barber of regular street. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, these girls get um, these girls get killed. There's like, a really weird scene where the deaths are kind of the lamest part of the movie. A little bit. There's not enough. I don't know. It happens so late that they they die really quick. They do. I don't know if they necessarily know what to do with them while they're running around. They want these girls to be smart and savvy, which is great. We get some more self-defense moments, which was wonderful. But Got that fire escape ladder. The fire escape ladder was dope. (laughs) I've never seen one of those. I was like, that's so cool! 
Um, but they they run upstairs. They barricade the door, and then they're like, "I don't hear him. Let's run downstairs." And then they and then they That's run downstairs, thing, and then yeah. back upstairs, and then they wreck the ladder, and then somehow he jumps in from the second the second floor story window when the ladder has been destroyed. I don't understand how he did that whatsoever. No, I guess I he... thought it was a dream for the first one. Yeah, but the other girl because like all well maybe that was the idea, right? Like it is something strange that happens that she sees that we expect to be a vision but the other girls react to it immediately yeah also anytime somebody has to barricade a door or unbarricade a door they are not in a rush in this movie they're like oh yeah carefully move the dresser in front of the door there okay and then Beth, you coming? On it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like no one no one is in a hurry to save their own lives <laughs> at all in this movie it's like everybody got their nails done right before we called action <laughs> He's they, still tacky yeah including the boyfriend who was supposed to help move that dresser over even he was just like oh dresser <laughs> <laughs> this is such an inconvenience him jumping through the window is a cool move but but why no how idea. explain i mean you know Unfortunately, I think it was one of those things where just like the idea is so cool that like you don't have to explain it. It's just like people are gonna fucking love this, and like to a degree, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I don't necessarily 100% need that explanation, but when it comes to sitting down and talking about it, yeah, like it doesn't make sense. Even now, having watched the ending now twice, because I forgot the (laughs) ending, I don't know how little Beth, like baby Beth, survived the first massacre. Well, she hid. So that's how she got the cut on her arm, though, is because he knew she was in there and he was slashing at her and he was too big to get in. Yeah, I don't really know where So he just gave there. up and, I, like, I guess. Or the cops came, I'm assuming. Yeah, they, well, she was hidden. There was no way for him to get in there. Like, I don't he was know, too man. big. Yeah. Like, they Burn sh- the house down then. Fuck. Right? If, if Who you're cares? a killer, then, like. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know how she got out. Yeah, but they I find don't... themselves in the basement. They're obviously adults and can't hide in her hiding spot. So they grab garden tools and they they're just gonna whack him until uh until he dies. I guess right. And good for Linda. She gives him some like good shovel whacks. Yes, and but nobody decided to like we grab a like we grab a spade shovel. Not a bad choice. And a garden hoe. Like there's a fucking pickaxe right there. I would have taken the pickaxe. Because no matter what, as long as I aim for, like, his torso, it's probably going to hurt a lot. You know it's got to go in his eye socket. Well, yeah. You can't have a pickaxe go anywhere else. It damn well better. (laughs) And his eyeball better come out the back of his head. Can you imagine the final girl (laughs) aiming for the eye socket, though? (laughs) Especially if, like, the friend beside her was like, make sure you aim for his eye socket. (laughs) You've only got one shot at this. (laughs) Yeah, it it took a few hits, but they, they, she knocked him down. Didn't sever his head with that shovel, though. Uh, that's, oh, that's the first move, right? Like, horror movie 101. Like, as an audience member, it's your job to say, don't stop hitting him. Like, it's like <laughs> they, they do that just to get you riled up, I'm sure, right? Like, oh, like, uh, we knocked him out. Better walk out of the house slowly. Like, no, put the spade of that shovel under his chin and stomp on it. And fucking bring the head with you. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, we got attacked this evening. You don't evening. want him getting that back. <laughs> Can you imagine showing up at the police station and be like, we were attacked this evening. Like, do you know who did it? Yes. And you hold up his fucking severed head and drop it on the table? Oh, it was boy. this man. Oh, boy. Self-defense. Reloaded. <laughs> <laughs> You'd make the headlines if you did that. Local yeah. local girl kicks ass. <laughs> Beware of local girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Sorority applications skyrocket for Beta Kappa Pi. Uh, just one more favorite moment I want to mention because it was just great is when I think it's Linda again. Uh, Pepper sprays the hands, his hands, the hands of Bobby as She's he's like, trying to get in worry, the window. I got mace. You're like, what's that gonna do? Pepper sprays his hands a lot. And Trish, Trish slams the window on his hand, and he's like, ah, like just keep doing that, just do that once or twice. I don't know more. why they didn't just keep slamming the window. No idea. Good. Stuff, Pepper though. spray was great, though. Okay, John, what is your rating of Sorority House Massacre? That's a tough one, uh, because I didn't love it, but I'm having a lot of fun talking about yeah. it. I'm going to give Sorority House Massacre a two out of four. I'm going to give it a two and a half out of four. Okay, right on. Yeah, I had fun with it. It's definitely a little bit more like formulaic than I was anticipating. Like it definitely is very reminiscent of like all the slashers we mentioned, oh, Halloween, yeah. Prom Night, Black Christmas. Totally. But I really liked some of the visuals and honestly the the stuff I was expecting to be the weakest in the movie was the parts I enjoyed the most. Like mm. the the visual aspects of the visions. Like we didn't even talk about the blood dripping out of the portraits. Like Oh shit, yeah, that, that was, looked awesome. That was some really great stuff. And the fact that it dripped out of the dead girls and then it dripped out of the spot in her arm where she yeah. got cut. Like I was just really vibing with that. Oh so. man, we completely glossed over the fact that like when she's in her hypnosis, she gets cut on her arm. The cut appears in real life on and her nobody, arm and no one cares. <laughs> nobody mentions it. Uh. Yeah, it was quite enjoyable. So yeah, two and a half out of four for me, two out of four from John. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you think of Sorority House Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre. You can tweet at us over on Twitter, at NOFS Podcast. You can find us in our new Discord server at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Nightmare on Film Street. Just search it up. Yeah, search Nightmare on Film Street or NOFS Podcast. You'll find it anywhere you go. If you'd like to support the show, head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to become a monthly supporter and get yourself a Fiend Club membership card, just like the one you had when you were a kid at the video store. We've got a whole bunch of other bonuses and perks, extra content for you to enjoy over there. That's nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, Check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious 
this extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.